I'm McKinney Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Legacy Leavers, thank you for joining us in the Welcome My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show in the world where we have conversations with extraordinary women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their voice to create impact, prosperity, and legacy. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Layla Day is an R&B soul singer and songwriter. After working through the devastating loss of her sister in the late 2015, she transferred her thoughts and emotions into her craft, putting her heart, mind, and soul into her following releases. Layla's latest release is her Best Yet Her Detour EP marks the ending of a chapter and the beginning of a new one. Please welcome to the show, Layla Day. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) I'm like my own cheerleader. (laughs) I'm cheering for you too, girl. I'm cheering for you too. Thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your story with us. I'm excited for this conversation. I know especially with a lot of um, artists and, you know, sometimes different influencers or entrepreneurs, they're used to interviews that are solely focused on, uh, you know, just the business aspect of things. But I Mm -hmm. can't wait for the listeners to learn more about your story so they can connect with you on another level. Yes. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to, you know, have a conversation that isn't just about the work. So, this is very exciting for me. Thank you so much, McKinney, for having me. You know, we go way back. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> way back. Like, I remember, Ew. you know, attending different networking events in Toronto and you perform there and your voice is like butter. It's so smooth. And for Thank my you. second book launch, you know, my, my brother who was trying yes. to help put something together. So you performed at my second book launch. So, you know, mm-hmm. we go way back. <laughs> yes, we do. And that was such a good book launch. Oh, my gosh. We need to have another one of those. When's the next book? When's the next book? <laughs> Interesting enough, I've got two books coming out this year. Um, wow. Yeah, because of COVID, I don't know if there'll be yeah. any in-person. Yeah, I know. But, yeah, so book number five and six will be out okay. this year, 2022. <laughs> yes. Yes, girl. All right. Well, we'll be ready whenever you're ready. Okay. So before we jump into your story of where you are presently, I love to start with an icebreaker question because I feel like, you know, kids have these vivid imaginations and, you know, they fantasize about what they want to be and who they want to be and what they want to do when they grow up before society starts to limit us and, you know, put those ceilings on our potential Mm -hmm. and put us into this box. So I would love to know, like, what did Layla Day want to be when she was a little girl? Oh, my. 
So when I was a little girl, I feel like I actually wanted to be a lot of things. I told my mom I was going to be a lawyer because I was very argumentative as a child. Um, My mother hated that. And she was just like, you know what? You should absolutely be a lawyer because you don't listen. (laughs) So that was that was something where I was like, okay, you know what? My mom always told me, like, you'd be perfect being a lawyer. You know, you're just always arguing with people. I'm always a critical thinker, always have a rebuttal, whatnot. Um, and then, you know, I moved on. I always loved music, so I always wanted to actually sing. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be, you know, Rihanna, Beyonce, Lauren Hill, touring the world, singing my heart out. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time I was probably about 16, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a superstar by the time I was 16. I probably won't even need to finish high school because I am that good. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, you know, I also had basketball dreams. I also loved to play basketball, so I was like, Either I'm going to be singing or I'm going to be a lawyer or I'm going to be playing basketball in the WNBA and be really cool. Those are my three dreams that I feel like as a child, I just always were just very reoccurring. I was like, okay, these are the three things that I'm definitely going to be. And I work toward them because mm-hmm. I play competitive basketball um, and, you know, I was always singing and then as well, I was always still arguing to this day. So I guess <laughs> those, are the, those are the three things I was just consistently working to it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, so I, you know, I didn't know that you were into basketball. See, I'm learning something new already. Yeah. Oh my, yes, I was. <laughs> wow. Okay. So tell us the story of how you got to where you are today. Wow. I mean, there's a number, a number of different avenues, but I feel like, I mean, I've, I've experienced a lot of things and I don't know if we have enough time in this podcast, <laughs> but I've experienced a lot of things that have brought me to this point. But, you know, I, I was born in Jamaica and I came here at a very young age to a mom who didn't have any real family here and really kind of just came here, was married to my father um, and came here and just kind of built from the ground up. So I'm very connected to the story even of my mom and how she got here because you know we I grew up very Jamaican even though I didn't grow up in Jamaica um (laughs) because my mom was just very used to you know the same traditions and customs and whatnot so um you know at, at a young age um my mom and my dad my mom had separated from my dad and I just literally saw her build from the ground up she didn't have any family here you know there was a point where we were in shelter And, you know, after we moved from shelter, we moved on to our own space. And I just saw my mom work really hard with three kids to just make it work. Um, Mm -hmm. She was a young mom. I I just remember going to school all the time as well. And people would be like, how old's your mom? And she was 25 for like six years. I was like, she's 25. She's 25. (laughs) She's 25. And it was just so cool to me because she she looked so young. And everyone was just like, oh, my gosh, your mom's so young. And I loved that aspect of like having a young mom. But at the same time, you know. We were growing together. We, we grew mm-hmm. up together. And I always tell people that it's so interesting being kind of close in age with my mom because we did grow up together. We learned a lot of life lessons together. We learned a lot of, you know, hard lessons together. We struggled together, a number of different things. And so I'm the eldest daughter of, from my mom of three kids. And so I helped raise my two younger siblings as well, just trying to pick up the slack and whatnot. So I think I, that's sort of where my very mature attitude kind of comes from because mm-hmm. I was just always like the boss you know I was like mm-hmm. okay these are my two younger siblings I gotta make sure they're good they get you know we walk home from school we get snacks mom's working by the time she gets back home like everything will be great mm-hmm. um, and so that was kind of how we how we how we did it for a little while I, I have a young my younger sister Latoya 
um, you know, she was diagnosed. Well, actually, she got sick at the age of four. And the trajectory of, of my, I guess, upbringing and childbearing kind of changed a lot because then she ended up being in hospital very frequently. You know, she would be in hospital for like eight months. The first time was like eight months at a time at the kids' hospital. Wow. And I think that was very, that was, yeah, that was very turbulent for my mom because, you know, she would have these two other kids and she was like, I can't raise my two other kids in hospital. So we'd be at home, we'd be at family's house or a friend's house. And then, you know, we, I never wanted to change our school. So she would just be going back and forth from the hospital to home, hospital to home. And I feel like, you know, a lot of my musical aspects really came in those moments, music and basketball. I was just always trying to find things to do. My mom was always trying to find things for us to do that would occupy us while, you know, she would have to be at um, like an appointment with my sister or whatnot in the surgery, or she was in hospital staying overnight. She wanted to be very, you know, emotionally available for her as well. So mm-hmm. I think we, you know, we just made it work. I don't know how she made it work to this day all the time. I'm just like, wow, I can't even, I blink and I'm like, wow, I can't even believe we made it. And we're not like <laughs> tripping out all of us kids, <laughs> but you know, we, we made it. And, um, and we had a really, I, I always say this, like we didn't have, everything we wanted and we weren't rich by any monetary means but I feel Mm -hmm. like my mom we just always had what we needed and growing up in a single parent home I just feel like as an adult now I just I don't remember lacking like the most important things and I'm really grateful for that because I think it's brought me most of all like the foundation of who I am has brought me to where I am today Um, and I would say that as more like an interpersonal perspective as opposed to you know, musicality and stuff. Yes, I grew up in music. And I think there's a lot of interviews out there that, you know, tell my story about how I was in, I was in Caribbean Gems with my aunt and I sang in church and, you know, I started singing in high school and whatnot. But I feel like, you know, for this podcast and uh, this conversation with you, I really feel like I want to touch on that aspect of like the foundational piece of what I feel like I saw growing up, which was my mom and just that hustler, hustler mentality and um, just kind of that grind because of the love for whomever, whether that's your children, whether that is, you know, for the love of what you do, for your own um, dreams and aspirations. I think that's just what I grew up around. And so uh, now as an adult, a lot of the things that I also like encompass come from my childhood. Like I'm very resilient. I, I always feel like I don't need anyone. And that's probably because I grew up seeing my mom not ask anyone for, for anything. Mm-hmm. And she just kept working and you know doing her thing and yeah I feel like you know that's just such an important piece of I guess my foundation that has brought me to this place here today wow (laughs) so I mean there's there's so much in a woman's story that not only says a lot about who she is and who she's become but I I truly believe like every woman's story there's something in there that we can all resonate with or or connect with yeah Uh, you know, but I mean, the the last thing you just said about feeling like you don't need anyone, um, yeah. you know, doing things a lot. And I feel like as a woman of color, we yeah. often fall into that space of saying, I have to do this by myself because I can't depend on anyone. Mm-hmm. I can, I can do this alone. Yeah. And then my, you know, my coaching <laughs> brain kicks in and I'm like, mm-hmm. we are we're wired for connection. Right. We can absolutely even as an entrepreneur, I can I can be in business for myself, but I can't do it alone. Right. Like absolutely. As a woman herself, like I am a single mother of three. So when mm-hmm. you're talking about your mom, I can totally connect. I totally understand the struggles yes. that 
um, she's had to deal with to not only provide financially for her children, but like you yeah. said, emotionally to make sure that everyone's emotional needs yeah. um, are met. And I think you having to to see that growing up, that shaped your perspective on resilience. Mm-hmm. Yes, it really did. And I feel like, you know, you, you do touch on a really important piece that I do want to say, like, I have this sort of mentality, and I think it is, a, a, you know, a lot of women of color, Black women, especially Caribbean women, um, always kind of have this idea that, yes, we do we do need to, like, do it by ourselves, but we don't. And you're so right, like, that connectivity piece is so important. I think um, oftentimes when, when we're let down, we just revert back to doing it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, even to this day, like, that's, that's a piece that I think is a resiliency piece, but also something that I'm working through as an adult, because just being in a space where, you know, I don't, I don't want to not need other people or not want other people to help, you know, it's just mm-hmm. that idea of like, well, hmm, it's the idea of trusting someone else to do it as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's also where, where we kind of are, are a little bit apprehensive, at least for myself, I'm, I'm very apprehensive of trusting someone else to do something that I think is for me, or, or if I know what's best for me. But that control piece of um, and that letting go, I guess I would say that letting go piece of just allowing other people to help is so important. And I definitely want to be at a place where I can freely, you know, ask someone for help, ask anyone for help. I can freely give tasks to other people and not feel anxious about it. I'm, I'm excited for the day that I can just connect with somebody and share that responsibility because I think you're, you're absolutely right. Like we all, we all need to be able to, to feel that. And, um, and it's definitely something I'm actively working towards. But mm-hmm. I think growing up, based on what I've seen, and that also, even for my mom, was out of, you know, out of that kind of resiliency factor. It was like, well, I need to make sure that I'm I'm doing for me, not only for me, but for my kids. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think just that, in that learning that was just such a catalyst. And, and I think my upbringing that I'm just like, oh, I can do it. Like, if my mom can do it, then I can do it. And I don't mm-hmm. even have kids yet. So, (laughs) see, I I believe like especially with kids, some things are taught and some things are caught. So you know, you the way that you watched your mom persevere and you know able to to push through her adversities, it shaped your present mindset. And I think that every single one of us, like every single adult, we are basically walking around with our childhood wounds acting out our trauma responses and not realizing that, you know, it affects our present, like our present interactions and relationships with people. Like when you um, Mm -hmm. talked about wanting to be able to, to trust and feeling like the the need to have some form of control of a situation, Mm -hmm. growing up and seeing your mom have to care for your siblings that are constantly in the hospital. I'm sure that came with a lot of unknowns and, you know, situations that you felt out of control so now as an yeah. adult you feel like you know you need to try to control certain I need situations. to control everything yeah <laughs> exactly yeah man this is like a therapy session but yes absolutely <laughs> I think it is I think I think absolutely that does come from that I'm, I'm I'm you can even ask my team right now like you know shout out to my team they definitely help me you know as an artist right now and I'm learning to relinquish some of that control 
And it's been good. It's been because it's been a safe space for me to do that. And people have really come through. And I think the most important part of that letting go piece as an adult, if you're, if, if you're also working through it in letting in that, in that letting go, it's really important that the people on the other end realize and understand that like that follow up is really important for you and your mental process. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if I trust you with this thing or, you know, this task or whatever, and it doesn't matter how minuscule, like that follow up piece of like, oh, well, someone actually did come through for me. And Mm -hmm. that acknowledgement piece is so important because it it does change the trajectory of like, you know, your mind and and what you, I guess, previously experienced or, you know, conjured up in your mind or whatnot. All of those things are kind of, you know, changing the the neural pathways of like the understanding that you have of, hey, you know, Mm -hmm. I can't trust anyone, but now someone has come along and you're able to trust them and you're able to, you know, give them tasks and you're able to lean on them and all that stuff. So absolutely like shout outs to my team, definitely working through that. I think I'm, I'm a lot better than I was, I would say like even five years ago and I'm still working through it to this day. So it's not an overnight task, still working through it to this day, but I, I definitely process. believe I'll get to a place. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get to a place where, you know, I will feel way more freeing um, in just, you know, allowing and, and allowing people to, to extend the olive branch. It's definitely a process. I know, you know, I was someone who grew up with severe trust issues and mm. it came to a point maybe about three years ago after um, a breakup from a relationship where I realized yeah. that, you know, I had a history of toxic relationships, which were adding mm. to my trust issues. And then the trust issues that I had of other people started to make me not trust my myself because of those yes. toxic relationships, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so the healing journey was in leaning on my healthy connections and my healthy relationships yeah. to help validate yeah. that, that those toxic experiences and, you know, feeling that those, those trust issues, it's not everyone. So it's my healthy relationships that remind me that I can trust people or I can let go and I don't, mm you know, have the ability to control everything. So I think um, for the women that are listening, like it's so important to have, and it it doesn't need to be a lot of people, but it's so important to have at least someone that you can, can trust that's, you know, considered a a healthy connection, a healthy relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I hear, hear to that. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So speaking of, you know, we were talking about family and, and siblings, both you and I have experienced the loss of a sister. And yeah. I believe you lost your sister in 2015, correct? Yes, yes, I did. Um, and my condolences, and I, I'm sorry for your loss. Thank and you. I know, especially when it comes to artists, you know, how you go through the grieving process. Um, because I, you know, as for anyone going through anything, I definitely recommend like journaling and expressing it mm-hmm. and getting it out and talking about it. And I'm just curious as an artist, how your music and, you know, your career in the music industry, how that helped you to process the grief of your sister? Yeah. I mean, I feel like everyone's everyone grieves differently. And I think you know this, I think I know this, but everyone grieves differently. And I think when I lost my sister, that was the first time I'd ever lost someone very close to me. I had never really experienced death in in that way. And um, 
you know, when I say experience death, like I was there when the doctors were just like, I don't know if there's anything more we can do. And um, that was just so overwhelming for me Mm -hmm. in that moment, because also, again, leading up to that, that moment, I was, I felt like very, you know, confident, very, I have this all to have it all together. Like, my family is great. My sister's doing fine. Like my mom's like all of these great things were happening. Music was kind of going. And then it was like, bam, really suddenly uh, and really out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then I was hit with all of this, like, whoa, like what's, what's happening. And even in that moment, because I was just so like, I was on this bicycle of like, I need to be successful. I need to get these things done. I was still going even after my sister had passed away. And I was like, it's fine. I'll get through it. I was telling myself like, Oh, it's fine. I'm strong. I'm mm-hmm. good. I'm this. I'm that. I took on a lot of responsibility in um in that in that process as well. Like you know, I was planning a funeral. Never did that before. Was visiting funeral homes. You know, mm-hmm. talking to uh, funeral directors. I, I took on a lot of responsibility. Also, because again, like I'm a person that me and my mom are very close. I love her. Like she's my favorite person in this world. And um, I couldn't imagine losing a child. And so in that moment, she was very broken and so I really was like oh okay I'm going to take up I'm going to pick up all these pieces and just figure it out and a week months even almost I think it was almost a year after my sister had passed I felt like I was still on the bicycle and it's really strange I feel like I was just like still going 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 there's so many things that were set up before so I just kept pursuing doing music doing shows etc and I'll say this like a year later I had gone to this event and uh, someone had said to me, like, hey, like, how are you? And I was like, oh, I'm fine. And they're like, really? Like, like, are you really fine? Because, like, I just feel like when I see you now, your your eyes look very sad. Oh, wow. And I took that so personally because I was, McKinney, I was, like, done up to the nines. I was mm-hmm. like, yes, stepping out. Okay, great. And then this person just confronted me with something that I feel like was was so true, but I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared Mm -hmm. for like someone else to see my truth. And so I left the event and I was like, whoa. Um, And sorry, they also said something else. They said, you know, music will always be here. Like, you know, music will always be here. And that resonated with me. And obviously it still does because like that's just something I really remember. And I left the event and whatnot. And I was trying to get back into the groove of just doing things. But my body, my emotions, my mind was just like, you need to stop. You need mm-hmm. to stop whatever it is that you're doing. You need to acknowledge that you're hurt, that you're grieving. Actually take time to grieve and figure out, you know, just like yourself. And so I literally just did that. I stopped. <laughs> I mean, a number of different like other life things kind of happened as well in conjunction, but it was a great time. I just stopped creating. I had stopped creating in the sense of like, to put something out and be just a consistent product. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had just taken a break and I was like, okay, I need to figure this out. There were days I woke up and I was just crying and I was like, why am I crying? I'd be in the shower and I'm like, okay, like, but, and, and then I stopped asking myself, why am I crying? Because I'm like, it's crazy. The grieving process. Yes. My sister had passed a year before, or maybe like a year and a half prior, but I was just beginning to grieve it mm-hmm. and understand okay, she's not, she's not here or she's not going to be coming back or she, you know, you're not, oftentimes I think about like, she, she's not going to be, you're, you're, 
your bridesmaid or your maid of honor or like, you know, this person that you can you can speak to and all of these things that you start thinking about, like maybe that you're you're going to miss out on because um, mm-hmm. she's not there. And that kind of started the grieving process for me. Um, I absolutely do recommend journaling if you're not, you know, taking or seeing a therapist or any of that stuff, like absolutely writing down your thoughts, started doing that. Um, mm-hmm. I was creating definitely some really deep stuff, some really dark stuff. I tried not to stop myself from creating whatever I felt in the moment. Um, and that was very helpful for me. Music has always been a healing uh, entity, always mm-hmm. since I've been a child, you know, whether I was alone, whether I was with family, it's just always been a together, a very good feeling for me, um, a way to express a way to connect to somebody else's story, a number of different things. And mm-hmm. so I feel like, you know, when I was in 2015, when I was just continuously creating, I kind of got away from the feeling of music and I was just creating to create because I was an artist and I need to put something out. Mm-hmm. Um, but during that grieving process, I kind of got back to this, this feeling place, like, well, what am I trying to say? What am I trying to feel? And one of the reoccurring themes that always came up after you know, going through a loss, the loss of my sister was like, I didn't really, honestly, I didn't really find a lot of other people who kind of grieved the way I grieved, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and it was, it was very strange. And, and I'll say this maybe as like a woman of color, I felt like we just don't really talk about like when we lose somebody, people kept saying to me like, well, you know, the letting go piece is going to be really important. Like I would go to my sister's burial grounds and like I would always I still do to this day but like I would like clean it up put flowers etc and I remember somebody saying to me in my inbox like kind of like along the lines of like you know the sooner you let go of like doing this like ritualistic or habitual thing is like the better you'll feel and I was like well I don't think so Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's just me like yeah like that's just me I don't think so like I think it's I think it's kind of forced onto our community to get over things like death and get mm-hmm. over it quickly. And um, I just didn't, I just didn't resonate with that message. I was like, you know what, maybe that works for you. I did respond and said, maybe that works for you. But for me, I feel really connected here. Like so connected yeah. to my sister's energy. I feel, you know, like I'm, I'm still, she's still on my mind. It's not like obsessive or it's not like, Oh, well I need her or anything. I'm not like wailing here. I'm just literally remembering that this is somebody who was very important in my life, who still is important in my life, but, and honoring that, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, just like a number, it was such, it was such a process and to this day, it's still a process. I would say in all honesty, I don't know about you and the experience of you, your experience and the passing of your sister, but I feel like I never really got over it. I would say mm-hmm. year, year five, <laughs> year five mm-hmm. is like when I, and it was so, I wouldn't say instant, but I knew, I knew in the moment that like, I was beginning to heal. I won't yeah. say get over. I'll say beginning to heal because a lot of the things that I couldn't speak about before that would kind of choke me up, that would really boggle my mind. I was now feeling more clear, more, more fresh, more like understanding, more stability, just so many other things. And I was like, okay, I'm beginning to heal. Yeah. And um, that was a beautiful feeling for me because I didn't know. I didn't think. I had no clue. I had never experienced death before, right? I didn't know that right. like, a healing would actually come. Yeah, people say it. People will always say my condolences or like, okay, like, you know, you'll get over it. But like, I didn't really know if it was coming because it was so far, um, to me at least, 
in, yeah. in, in the future that I, I just couldn't see it. So, yeah. I think the, so there's, there's definitely different stages to the grieving process. And I find that there's different levels depending on the connection with the person because, yeah. you know, when, for example, you know, my sister passed in 2012 and mm-hmm. the level of grief that I felt that was, I'm going to say the most amount of grief that I've ever experienced in my life. My grandmother passed the following summer, mind you, Mm -hmm. you know, she helped raise me, but she was 91 years old. So although there was still that connection there, the level of grief was very different. The healing was very different. So, you know, you're, you're right. It did. It's everyone's process is different. Like even that person that, that told you, you know, the sooner you let go or whatever it was that they said to you, like, you deeply loved that person. You don't ever want yeah. to forget that person. You can yeah. you can honor that person every single day of your life if you want to. Like I live my life absolutely my sister with you know the things that I accomplish and the impact yes. that I make. Yes. I know that she is proud of me. That you know that helps me to to push forward. Mm-hmm. Everyone is absolutely. is very different. Um, but I also find when you reframe the memory. So maybe for you going to the gravesite um, and doing those things, you know, you're still connecting and, and having those positive memories. And maybe to that person who tried to give you that advice, maybe for them, if they lost a loved one and they were going to the gravesite, you know, it put them, you know, into a depression every single time. It just depends on right, yeah. your, what you're connecting that, that memory to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're completely right. When you spoke to, um, you know, when you realized like, you were able to no longer break down when you uh, spoke about your sister. I remember someone once saying to me, you know that you're healing when you can talk about it without crying. Yeah. And that took me years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm so years. happy to hear that because I felt like I was, I felt like I was dragging it out a little bit. And I felt like also other people kind of made me feel like I was dragging it out, but I, I genuinely um, was sad. Mm-hmm. was sad like people couldn't say her name without me kind of getting choked up mm-hmm. and I would swallow it all the time yes year three or year four um because you know I, I also do um a found, I have a foundation in her name it's called the toy world uh dinner and fundraiser where we we host a dinner each year mm-hmm. and the funds from that dinner go toward a young person of color who wants to attend post-secondary school and who is diagnosed with lupus and wow. so Every year, ask anybody who attends this dinner. Every year, like since my sister's passed, at, when I have to say a speech or talk about, you know, the foundation or talk about uh, my sister, I am wailing. I'm choked up. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even get it out. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it doesn't even. Sometimes I'm like, it didn't even, it didn't even give what it was supposed to give. But mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was honest and it was authentic and it was raw. And uh, right before COVID, we had. Um, I think it was our sixth annual Toys World Foundation dinner and, and I was able to speak about it. And again, I think that was also a part of that reali- realization piece where I was like, wow, I'm able to talk about my sister with such like love and admiration mm-hmm. and just like honor and so many great feelings that are just surrounded by my sister and I'm not necessarily getting choked up. Yes, I still feel a little bit of sadness, but I'm so happy that I'm at a place where I can just speak about her and actually articulate to someone else the great things mm-hmm. she did in her 18 years of life here and, you know, the things that she's left me with and 
just being able to articulate that much better than I was many years ago. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I'm just, I'm at a place of, of healing and, and I'm very, I'm very happy about that. Cause I think similarly to you, everything that I do is in honor of my sister and mm-hmm. her resilience and her fearlessness. And no, I don't need to say, you know, every song that I put out, like dedicated to mm-hmm. my sister mm-hmm. or whatnot, but it's just me. I, I embody everything that I embody know that it, it encompasses the energy of my sister and her personality and you know the things that I feel like she would say to me even today and be like listen like she just never she never cared about you know what other people thought and so every time I have this like thought of like self-doubt or you know self-critique or any of those things she'd be like listen girl like <laughs> get it together get yeah. it together and like yeah. do do what you know you know yeah do what you know how to do so yeah. Yeah, I mean, I walk around with that all of the time. And, and yeah, I agree. Like, my condolences to you as well for the loss of Thank your sister. You. I think, um, I think yeah, I think it's hard. I think it's hard for anybody who's lost a loved one. And similarly also to you, like, I've, I've lost a grandparent since my sister. And it is very different. It is very, it's very different. And mm-hmm. um, not, not necessarily better or worse, but it was very different for me. Um, and, you know waking up being beside this person or and at the time of my sister's passing I wasn't even living in like my family home I was living on my own but Mm -hmm. just feeling like I also contributed in raising her and just like who she is and everything was so connected and the main the major thing for me was like I couldn't fathom in my mind that like somebody who feel like didn't even really get that much chance at life Mm -hmm. it was just taken away there's there's a difference for me between like me seeing my grandmother who lived 79 years of life or 80 years of life and I'm like you know what like we we all understand that mm-hmm. there's an expiration date to this um and and some of us are really blessed to see old age or you know maturity and um and I think in my mind, that's the only way that I saw death at that age. I was like, okay, we're all just going to go old. And then, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's fine. But, um, you know, I, I, it was very hard for me. I couldn't fathom how somebody at 18 years old was being buried. Mm-hmm. And it's my sister. Like, you know, so, yeah, a lot of things, a lot of things to work through. But um, I definitely took the time. Music was very instrumental in that. Um, I will say that music was very instrumental, but even more instrumental was the I, the the ability to talk about it to people who created a safe space for me. Mm-hmm. And and I think that was really important because yes, although music's there and uh, or creation is there, writing it down, I'm still kind of swimming in a sea of my own thoughts, mm-hmm. and that can also be detrimental at times, you know. But to be able to bounce and and just share space with somebody else who created a safe space to listen to my experiences, you know, spoke about their own experiences, gave tips and whatnot. Uh, it was very, very helpful. And um, I would say probably more more helpful to me, at least, than the creation aspect of what I went through. Mm-hmm. I feel just from everything that you've shared, you've come a very long way in your healing process, whether you realize it or not. Like, you know, when you talked about when your sister first passed and you, you know, you, you kept working and, you know, you were, you kept yourself busy, but it was almost like yeah. a distraction. You know, I, yeah. I, I read somewhere like, and I've done this myself where it's, it's a form of anxiety. So instead of dealing with the emotion, 
you know, we keep ourselves mm-hmm. busy and we overwork and we take on all these tasks and responsibilities because we don't want to process and deal with the real yeah. feeling, right? But our body keeps that score. So everything that we're feeling, mm. our body is is holding on to that that memory. So when you decided to, to you know take that time to heal, you know, when the reality set in that you lost your sister and mm-hmm. you, know, you broke down because you were suppressing that that whole time and your body was yeah. like, okay, I can't hold this in anymore. <laughs> right. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. So you were able to start the healing journey when you allowed yourself to feel. You know, you said you were in the shower crying and doing those things. You allowed yourself to feel those emotions. I think oftentimes, especially as women of color, we feel like we have to be strong or put on this face yeah. or this mask or do all of these these things. But we're we're human. We're human first. We're not superhuman. Yeah. We're human. Yeah. So it's important that, you know, we allow ourselves, whatever it is that we're going through, to process those feelings. We don't need to stay there, but we do need to process and recognize that yeah. those feelings are data. It's information. It's telling us something. So it's about assessing those feelings so that we can heal and move forward. Yeah. And acknowledging and and allowing them they're valid. Like every Mm -hmm. single one of those feelings are valid. And I think sometimes we don't hear that enough. Mm -hmm. Like every single feeling that, that we have is valid to your experience. Yes. Like, you know, if you're feeling angry, that is a valid emotion. Mm -hmm. No one can tell you, you know, you're not supposed to feel angry. Don't feel angry. Uh, don't feel like invalidating your feelings all, yeah. Right? yeah they're gaslighting exactly. you they're trying to invalidate your feelings right. so. <laughs> like right. you feel so and here's the other thing though. so feelings are definitely data it's information it's letting us know what is going on but because feelings fluctuate and feelings are mm. really just a label for the vibration that we are on we Ooh. can recognize that feelings are not always facts you know, sometimes yeah. we feel a certain way about something, but that's based on our perception of the thing. That's yeah. our um, vision of the thing. So no one can mm-hmm. tell us how to feel. We are entitled to our feeling. I could go I down agree. a hole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, we're recording and a maybe, And maybe we need to, right? And maybe we need to revisit this because this is good. This is good. This is good. <laughs> can you, yeah, maybe we need to revisit <laughs> Absolutely, Absolutely. I do. Feelings matter. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yes. Okay, so before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online and where they can hear your music and learn more about you. Yeah, so I mean, everything is Layla Day. Uh, you can stay connected with me on all my social platforms or LaylaDay.com. Layla Day is spelled L-E-I-L-A. D-E-Y, uh, LaylaDay.com. It's got updates on everything that's happening with me. It's Layla Day on Instagram, Layla Day on Twitter, Layla Day on TikTok, Layla Day on all streaming platforms uh, where you can also hear the music and just vibe and, you know, say hello. I'm, I'm pretty, I try to be very good at like interacting with the people who support me because mm-hmm. uh, I like to, I like to interact with people and connect, especially with you know, supporters. So if you want to say hi, you can send me a DM or anything like that, a comment, etc. I read them all. Um, I don't always have time to respond, but I try to engage with everyone. Absolutely. I will definitely have all of the links to your website and socials in the detailed section of the episode so they can just click and connect with okay. you. 
And for all of our international listeners, I want you to go and support Layla Day on all platforms because I feel like yeah. here in Canada, I, you know, I love this country. I was born here. Um, but <laughs> I feel like Speak there's on it. amazing, amazing talent here that does not get the support or opportunities that are given if you were, say, in the U.S. or the U.K. And yeah. I believe that your voice and your music, Layla, I'm I'm speaking from the heart right now. Like your, it's not like I've heard a lot of Toronto artists, and they're like, mm, yeah, they sound very Toronto. No, yeah. <laughs> I listen to <laughs> your music, you know, and especially, um, you know, your, your newest EP, um, uh, Detour, and the sound, yeah. your voice, the 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 beat, everything. It's so amazing it needs to like blow up internationally i i just want all of our oh. international listeners to go yes, and go stream and buy and support because i believe in in giving people their flowers while they're they're here and i think that if i had a magic wand <laughs> you would be a household name in every country in the world oh Wow, that's so sweet. Thank you so much. Honestly, no, for real. Sometimes I don't even know how to like take, I don't know how to take, um, take compliments. And so I'm just, I'm <laughs> resonating in all of the good energy that you've just given me and, and beautiful things. I agree. It's, it's difficult. It's difficult here in, in Canada and in Toronto, et cetera, especially with the genre that I do, which is R&B. I don't know what that's about, but we could talk about that for a whole other podcast if you want, but um, <laughs> for a whole other yeah. show or segment. But yeah. I agree, like, you know, that that the international listeners and it's it's there's just something so interesting about that as well. Like a lot of my international listeners are just so invested in, mm -hmm. you know, um, in supporting. And and I love that. I love Toronto. I love the people that are here. I'm so grateful for everyone who does support me here, but also you know, I'm really grateful to connect with people outside of here who mm -hmm. just as much love the R&B genre, just as much connect to the music, um, just as much, you know, connect to creation and, and keeping kind of R&B alive and at the forefront. And so thank you so much for, you know, your, your beautiful words. I'm yeah. so happy that you listen to Detour, the project. <laughs> and you like it, I love and, it. You know, you're supporting it. You love it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm going to say my favorite track right now is Notice. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Notice has a lot of people that I've heard that a lot. So mm -hmm. that is amazing. I've heard that a lot. I've heard that a lot. Shout out to Notice. Shout out to D'Angelo Power on the production. Um, yeah. Shout out to Mika McLean, the director of the video. There's a video out for Notice. Go and take a look at that as well. Shout out to everybody who was involved, KR Moore, everybody who was involved in, you know, just the the coming together. Because again, like it's it's me Teamwork. at the forefront, but there's a number of different people. Yeah, there's a, exactly there's a number of different people who contributed to uh, the making of a number of different aspects. So shout out to my team. If you ever supported Layla Day, I am eternally grateful for you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom. Uh, I used to call it a okay. rapid fire, but I realize I'm a little slow on the rapid because I like to ask people to unpack sometimes. <laughs> <too. laughs> so, <laughs> but I just ask a couple of quick reflection questions and you can answer whether it be one word or one sentence if you like. All right. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Art of War. Mm. 
Okay. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? Ooh, I would have a gigantic billboard at Young and Dundas Square, probably on top of the Eaton Center again. It would say, uh, follow your daydream. Mm, Love it. What's the worst advice you've ever received? That I should update my sound, that I sound dated and and that I should update my sound. More current, something more current, yeah. Uh, what's the best advice yeah. you've ever received? It's really simple, but um, okay. Can I do? Can I say two things? Yes. Okay. One would be I want to. I, I don't want to swear. Mess with yourself. Okay. Mm-hmm. That I know it's really simple, but you know when we really like you know intrinsically mess with yourself, your confidence, everything. Like so many things, so many beautiful things flow from that. I know mm-hmm. this isn't like you know. We're not going to get into everything, but I just feel like if you're creative, um, so many things are coming, even if you're not a creative, if you're just a human being, you know, so many things are coming at us that are telling us, no, you cannot do this, or you shouldn't mm-hmm. do this, or you're not, you're inadequate, so many negative things. But when you mess with yourself, you genuinely know that like, this is something you should be doing in mm-hmm. your heart. You feel it like mess with yourself and go, go 100% on that thing because yeah. That is the thing that is setting you apart from everyone else and just following in someone else's footsteps. You're creating your own path. That's number one. And two, um, I would say that that the quote from Alexander Graham Bell, when one door uh, closes, another door opens. Mm-hmm. But we so often, you know, stare at the, the closed door that we don't see the ones that are open for us. That's so important, you know. Mm-hmm. Moving forward can always be difficult. Absolutely. In certain instances, some people are really great at just like moving on. Things happen. Um, but then some people, are, they do long, um, they long at that closed door and they're like, man, I could have did that better or I should have did this more. But um, that quote sticks with me and it really helps me continue to like move forward and just have a little bit more of a forward thinking process. And just knowing that the next opportunity um, that maybe the closed door has led you to the next opportunity or the next big thing. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we do have to let go of that closed door in order to receive our blessings. Absolutely. Those are two great points. Um, with the last one, it, it makes me think of, um, there's a book that my mentor always quotes from. Uh, the book is called You Squared. And there's a story mm. in, the, in the book. Like the book is like, I don't know, it's only like 24 pages long. But um, oh, I love those stories. <laughs> yeah, right. There's no fillers in to there. The point. Like straight to yeah, the point. To the point. There's a story in there where they're describing a fly and it's at the window and it's exhausting itself trying to get out of the closed window. Mm -hmm. And it keeps flying at the window trying to get out of the closed window. And it eventually exhausts itself and dies there. And across the room, the door is open. Wow. You see that? Yeah. Yeah. So that that just totally made me. Exactly (laughs) that. Yes, exactly that. I need you need to send me that book. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that book. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you the link. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? I think love on ourselves and love on on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, just like kind of, I would say like encourage each other and love on ourselves and love on each other. I think I'll say that. Mm-hmm. And and I think I wish I wish and I hope that that I think we've been doing a little bit more of that I've been seeing, which is amazing. But I just love seeing when 
women support other women and they love on themselves. It doesn't take away from who they are. And they just genuinely are like happy for someone else, another woman doing their thing. And I think I, I just, I love seeing that, especially when it's black women even more like, yes, like I'm always rooting for, you know, everyone to just get their flowers, to get their coin, to get whatever it is they desire out of life. So yes, I want to see women do more loving themselves and then also loving on other women. Yes, I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Layla, for sharing your story with us, for being so transparent. I truly, truly appreciate you. And I do honestly wish you an overflow of blessings. Oh, thank you. I'm 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 really grateful for this. I love when, you know, I get to talk about something that's not necessarily just really focused on the music, you know, it's also mm-hmm. focused on the person. And a lot of people don't hear don't hear, you know, my story and, that, and uh, mm-hmm. me in a more personal way. So thank you for for, you know, creating this space, all of the gems that you've placed in here and um, that I'm going to go back and listen to and just for, you know, creating the space and allowing me to come here and share time with you. Thank you. McKinney. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I truly do believe like no matter what a person does for a living, that does not define the person. You're still a human being. You still have a story outside yeah. around and inside of what you do. So um, I just love that, you know, yourself and all the other women that have come on to share their stories so transparently. I just love your resilience and your grit and not only is it inspiration for the listeners but it's inspiration that helps me to keep going so thank you absolutely absolutely as you should because you're you're doing something really dope and again if you didn't create a space for I think a lot of women to be able to come here and just be so transparent then we would all just continue going about our lives talking about the work Mm -hmm. (laughs) but these spaces are very important. So thank you for real. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so beautiful. much. Thank you. And to all of you legacy leavers out there until next time, subscribe on all platforms. Don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple podcasts. We would love to hear what resonated with you. You know, what part of Layla's story uh, did you connect with? And I just want to thank every single one of you who continue to listen each and every week to help the show globally rank in the top 1.5% of most popular shows in the world and that's out of almost 2.8 million podcasts (laughs) so thank you so much (laughs) and if you can think of i'm going to challenge you today to at least three women that would receive value from hearing today's show please share it with them please feel free to screenshot this week's episode and you can tag Layla at Layla Day, L-E-I-L-A-D-E-Y. And you can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. <laughs> <laughs>